It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Andy Staples on three. Huge weekend ahead. Huge game in the Big Ten. And we're hitting it from both sides. We got Kalen King, the best cornerback at Penn State, one of the best cornerbacks in the country. The guy who will be responsible primarily for covering Marvin Harrison Jr. on Saturday. We got him. We got Ohio State tight end Cade Stover, one of the most interesting people in college football and a very important player in this game. We got him too. But before we get to that titanic matchup in the Big Ten, we need to go elsewhere in the Big Ten. The other member of the triumvirate, the group that is competing for a college football playoff berth or two, because two of them got it last year, Michigan, under investigation by the NCAA again. This has nothing to do with the recruiting case that Jim Harbaugh got suspended for earlier in the season. This is a completely different case. This is an accusation of stealing signals. And it's an interesting deal because you can see the signals coming in on the field. If you can decipher them, that's fine. It's do you do anything more advanced? Do you do anything electronically? Do you scout games before opponents before you play them with in-person people? Those are things you can't do. And we don't exactly know what Michigan's accused of but we do know that the NCAA is investigating it. So we, we'll find out what happened with the sign stealing and, and whether Michigan did it or not or what exactly was done. But I think it's interesting because this particular accusation brings up a couple of issues with the governance of college football, with the way the NCAA works, with the way rules are handled with the way rules are implemented or, or not implemented. I broke that down right after the news broke. I got a little, little heated because it, it brings in a pet issue that I've had for several years. You'll know when I hit it. Yet another NCAA investigation involving Michigan, but this one a little more on field. The Big Ten received notification from the NCAA on Wednesday that the NCAA is investigating Michigan for accusations of signal stealing. Now, this is very interesting because this is not the same investigation that Jim Harbaugh was suspended for three games for earlier. This is something completely different, and this is more of an on-field thing that there's a little more of a time element to, and that makes it a problem. There are two problems here, actually, and we'll get into both of them. One of them has a long, complicated solution, and one of them has a very simple solution that can be instituted by the start of next season. So we'll start with the longer, more complicated solution, and that is that the NCAA is investigating a competitive equity issue that could potentially move the line in games now. 
Now, according to the, the Big Ten in a statement they released on Wednesday after Ross Dellinger and, and Dan Wetzel of Yahoo broke this news, they've notified Michigan State, which is Michigan's opponent this weekend, of what's going on. They've notified future Michigan opponents of what's going on. And that's great. But we all know how long NCAA investigations take. And if this one takes as long as most of them do, there is no resolution this season. There's no resolution for a long, long time. So I don't know that that actually helps anybody in this case because, again, this is one of those things that can move lines. This is something probably, if it were possible, that should be handled at the conference level. But conferences are not equipped to this. Remember, the SEC used to have its own investigator, but they don't do that anymore. The conferences let the NCAA handle investigation. So the long, complicated solution to this is the NCAA does not need to be running big-time college football. We've, we've known that for a while, but that's especially true in situations like this where there needs to be a central governing body for this, not necessarily the conferences themselves, because in this situation, what if some of the opponents are non-conference opponents? You know, the, their conference are going to want to know about it too, want to do something about it. But they're going to want to do something quickly again because this is a competitive equity thing. It affects the line. And especially given all the issues since sports books have become legal in, in most states, this is something that everybody's going to want to deal with and deal with quickly. So this is where if you wanted the conferences that run the FBS – or that make up the FBS and run the college football playoff. If you, if, if you wanted them to band together and form their own governing body for major college football, that would be a good reason to do it because they might be able to come up with a better set of rules and a better set of processes that would allow them to handle things like this in an expedient fashion. The NCAA is not set up to do that. They're just not. And this issue, it seems small. And it's it sign stealing is a weird one for me because – you're giving these signals in a stadium full of thousands of people. So lots of people can see you. You're also on television in front of millions of people. But you notice a lot of teams, when they signal to their offenses and their defenses, they'll put some sort of boards up behind the coaches that are doing the signaling to block it from the, the fans behind them, to block it from the TV cameras. So the, the issue is not what you can get from just watching. If you watch it with your eyes and you decipher it, that's perfectly legal. If you happen to see it on a TV copy and you can decipher it, that's perfectly legal. It's do you send somebody to film the people doing the signs? That would that would cross the line. So that's that's the issue. We're talking about that. But we don't know what Michigan did. If Michigan's guilty, you got to be innocent until proven guilty here. The thing is... The case is probably going to drag on long past this season. So you got that issue. And the solution to that is complicated. You know, deciding who governs college football is a big, big, big picture issue. Not something that you can decide this offseason. However, there is something you can do this offseason to fix this particular problem now. And it's something that college football should have done decades ago. Put the freaking radio in the freaking helmet. The NFL has had one-way communication between the sideline and a player on the field since 1994. 
since we were using fax machines, since only rich people had cell phones. That's when they started doing that. That's how long ago an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator could call a play in and the player on the field could get it and relay it to the teammates. That's how long. It's not a financial issue anymore in college football. Everybody's got enough money. Now, I've been told that the biggest issue is getting the helmets certified once you have modified them. You may, you're a multi-billion dollar industry. Figure that out. That's not, that's not a prohibitive issue. Figure it out. The other piece of you're a multi-billion dollar industry is we don't need to see five GAs in five different color polo shirts signaling. And then we don't need big boards on the back of the, the behind the coaches that are blocking the view of the fans with the most expensive seats, by the way. We don't need those. That's stupid. It makes you look amateurish. And I realize you claim to be an amateur sport, but you're not. You're a multi-billion dollar industry. Put the radios in the helmets. And then nobody can steal the signs. Yes, well, you still have to have signs to, to alert a player, maybe a cornerback near the sideline, what's going on. Yeah, we talked to Marcus Freeman from Notre Dame about that, where he he's adding a sign to have a player commit a penalty on purpose to stop the clock if they only have 10 men on the field. That's the solution because of what happened in the Ohio State game. But we don't need the play going in every time in the complicated fashion that it has evolved into in college football. We don't need that. Put the radio in the helmet. You won't have to worry about how long it takes to investigate this because there will be no investigation to be done because nobody will be able to steal it because it will go to the quarterback with the green dot on the back of his helmet or to the linebacker with the green dot on the back of his helmet. Stop making everything so hard. Whatever happens with Michigan will happen. This is just throw that on the pile with the other investigation involving the recruiting stuff. But the solution here to make sure you don't have to deal with this again, you could form an entirely new governing body and you probably should, but you don't have to do that now. But what you can do is by 2024, when you're making all these other changes to the sport, when a bunch of new teams are entering the Big Ten and new teams are entering the SEC and you're expanding the playoff, have another new thing. A radio in the helmet. It's 30-year-old technology at that point. It'll work. I promise you can do it. Please do it. Just a crazy, crazy story. Michigan in the news again. Another piece of that story. The Athletics, Brendan Quinn reported that Michigan State initially mentioned that it might not want to play the Michigan game this week out of fear for the health and safety of the players. Now, I'm really hoping that nobody was actually serious about that because Michigan State hasn't been great at PR. This looks terrible. If if that happens, it looks like you're scared to play the game. Don't. You're th more than a three-touchdown underdog anyway. Like, nobody would care if you lose the game. And they would care a lot if you didn't play over this. So... Hopefully that was just a very hypothetical thing that was brought up and not something serious. But go play the game. We'll see what happens. 
Michigan will probably win by a lot. That's that's how it goes. Before we get deep into the Penn State Ohio State game, let me tell you about Prize Picks, the most fun daily fantasy. You can play it in a bunch of states, including Florida, Texas, and California. You download that Prize Picks app. Use the referral code Andy. They will match your first deposit up to a hundred bucks. So I won last week on a play involving three sets of quarterbacks. I had. It, I, I I like these com- combined pass rush receiving TD plays that, that they have, the squares they have, which they start to populate on Friday and into Saturday morning. So you can take a look at those. But it, it's fun because if you got a QB who's kind of a dual threat like Jaden Daniels from LSU, it accounts for his rushing TDs. Jordan Travis was one I had from Florida State. He ran for a couple and, and that helped me. So I'm looking at some of the early squares that they've already put out, and there's some fun here. First of all, that Penn State-Ohio State game, Kalen King will be trying to keep Marvin Harrison in the less than column on this one. The number they put up for him, 85 and a half yards. So they, they are respecting Penn State's defense here. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith for Penn State, 51 and a half yards. Theo Johnson, 19 and a half. Tyler Warren, 19 and a half. So they are expecting a defensive struggle. Another place in the Big Ten where they're expecting a defensive struggle. We had some fun on our pick show with Iowa and Minnesota. I have not seen a quarterback passing number that was less than 100 until now. Deacon Hill, the Iowa starting quarterback, who said the pass game is going to click any minute now. 99 and a half. You're going more than or less than on that. Aiden Kaliak Monis, the, the quarterback in Minnesota, not much different. 116 and a half. <laughs> that is going to be a slog, everybody. That's what they're expecting. But interestingly enough, it feels like that's what they're expecting in Alabama, Tennessee as well. And we've talked about that. We've talked about how Alabama struggled to protect Jalen Milrow. Joe Milton has struggled at times this year. All you need to do is look at the receiver projections in this game, and you're thinking, okay, this may be maybe a low-scoring affair. Jermaine Burton, Alabama's top deep threat, and remember, Jalen Monroe throws a beautiful deep ball. 59 and a half receiving yards. You go on more than or less than on that. Isaiah Bond, 39 and a half. You go over to Tennessee, Ramel Keaton at 38 and a half, and Squirrel White at 48 and a half. Those are not numbers that you see when you're expecting a massive, massive game. You're you're expecting a defensive struggle in that game. Back over on the Ohio State Penn State side, Kyle McCord's number two thirty three and a half. That is, again, respect to Penn State's defense right there. If he's less than that, I think Penn State's winning that game. Dylan Gabriel back in action, by the way, for Oklahoma. They they were off last week after beating Texas. They're playing UCF three oh six and a half against his former team. You go on more than or less than. And remember, with Dylan Gabriel, especially this year, you have to account for him running the ball. One other thing to account for, if you're playing prize picks in the next few days, the NBA season is starting and prize picks is celebrating by giving you a Steph Curry square. So if Steph Curry scores a point in the Warrior season opener, you win that square. So you might you combine that square with at least one more up to five. You're going to win that one if he scores a point. 
So good luck to that one. It's it's available through October 24th. So sign up for Prize Picks today. Use the referral code Andy. They will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So you deposit 100, they deposit 100. Give it a shot. There's so many options. And again, they're just giving you Steph Curry right there. All right, it is now time to talk about the biggest game of the week. One of the biggest games of the year. Penn State heads to Columbus to play Ohio State. Is Penn State a legitimate college football playoff contender? Are they a national title contender? Are they a Big Ten championship contender? All of these things are kind of the same thing. And the only way to prove you are is to beat Ohio State or Michigan or both. They got Ohio State in Columbus. Kalen King draws one of the toughest assignments. He's the number one corner for Penn State. He's personally offended when quarterbacks throw to his side. He's got some great receivers to try to cover. Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Abuka. He's played him before. Now he's got to play him with a lot of eyes on him. Millions of us watching, plus all those NFL scouts, because... Marvin Harrison Jr. is a first-round draft pick, probably a top-five draft pick. Kalen King plays well against him. He's probably a first-round draft pick, too. Here is Kalen King. We are joined now by Kalen King, who's one of the toughest jobs in America this week. you got to cover Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Abuka. How exciting is that? Uh, It's very exciting. You know, any any opportunity for me to guard players like uh, that talent that, you know, with that much skill, it's always it's always like like exciting for me because, like, you know, I can test my skills and, you know, I can just compete with the best in college football. So, like, I never have a problem competing with the best because I consider myself one of the best as well. So, Well, and, and that's the thing. You are considered one of the best corners in America. Like when you saw people in the offseason, was it this game they were always asking you about? Yeah, definitely. I I definitely got a lot of questions about this game. A lot of, you know, questions, a lot of people asking me things about people. So, yeah, definitely. How much fun is it when you're playing? Because you played Marvin last year. You had to to guard him several times. How much fun is it playing somebody of that level? Man, it's always fun because, like, you know, just, just having an opportunity to go against, just really just having an opportunity to play this game that I love every day. It's, it's just amazing. But like once once it's like once I get to go against somebody of that type of caliber of, of like guys like Ohio State receivers, you know, they always had a history of really good receivers. So mm-hmm. that's always a big game for me and just for the team is personally. So, yeah, definitely. The, the mentality of a good cornerback is always amazing to me because you guys have to be so self-confident. Like you have to believe that you are the best player on the field no matter what. How do you how do you make yourself even even when you have a moment of doubt make yourself believe that? I mean, really with being a cornerback, man, I feel like you have to have a a short mentality, one play mentality because like being a corner in my position is the hardest position in football and because we have to guard the opposing team's best athlete backwards. So, you know, just that alone takes a lot, but then once you add, you know, once you add, you know, 
getting beat once or twice, you know, you just got to keep a, a, a one play mentality to where that you don't let that trickle and effect and just keep carrying over throughout the game because one play can really mess you up. But the more you learn to, you know, forget about that play, worry about the next one. And I feel like it becomes easier to develop that mentality. That is a great description though. Like you have to cover a complete athletic freakazoid almost every week, except you have to run backwards and he gets to run forward. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I saw that you, 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 I heard you talking about talking to yourself in another interview where you have these affirmations that you'll tell yourself on the field. Is that, is that kind of in your head or do you actually say them out loud when you're in practice and in games? No, I see them. I see them out loud, but like only, only really I can hear it. So like, okay. It's, it's something that I definitely say out loud, but like no, nobody else can hear it because it's usually happening right before the snap or either after a snap or, you know, like leading right and leading up to a snap. So only only I can really hear it because I know I'm saying it. What are you telling yourself? A lot of things. Like I tell myself, like, for example, I tell myself, like, you're the best in the country. You're the best in the country. You're the best in the country. Or or say it's like um, third down or something and we need to we need to stop right here. It's a big down. I usually say, like, it's money time. It's money time. Get off the field. Get off the field. Just Just repeating things to myself just so I know, like, the more I hear it, and the more I hear myself say certain things, then the more I like start to believe it. So, and yeah. obviously you're known for your coverage skills, but I, I was rewatching the Ohio State game from last year. There's a play where you just fire in there, and they, they throw a little, you know, they throw it to a mecca real short. You dart between two guys who are trying to block you, and just drill him. Like, how much pride do you take in your tackling? A lot, man. Like me personally. The way I grew up and like the way I was brought up with football, I, I try to be like as as complete as possible. Like I try not to be good at one thing and then not good at another. I try to like make my game as complete as possible because like me growing up in Detroit, man, it's a very tough area. So like I feel like I have that natural like competitive toughness off like just from me being where I'm from. How much of that competitiveness comes from having – a brother who wound up being a 240 pound linebacker with you at Penn state. Well, I feel like a lot, a lot comes from that because like growing up, Kobe was like the, my first competitor. Like I, I competed with him in everything. Like, like when we first started working out, when I first started playing football, my dad used to take me and Kobe to the field and it was on, and I always had to go against him. So he was always much bigger than me, much stronger than me. So like, I had to I definitely had to bring it every time since a little kid. So I feel like just having him uh, uh, on this journey with me and, and just we, us doing this thing together, man, it's like it's paying off. And yeah, I definitely uh, credit a lot of that competitive nature to Kobe because there was a lot of times where I was losing and I was getting mad because I couldn't I just couldn't do nothing with him. Well, those those I mean, when you're young like that, are you just having your dad throw it up there and play in Moss? Yeah, like, so we first started out, I was probably like, I was six years old. We was like five, six, and he used to take us to the field and he used to throw the ball super high in the air. And and the first one to catch it, like, and, and, we, and we end up probably going for like a month straight until somebody finally caught the first one. And that was me. I caught the first pass. So <laughs> I was hyped right there. He was hyped. And he always used to throw it like uh, so high in the air. It used to hurt my chest when I when I tried to catch it and all that. So. Yeah. Would Kobe, because Kobe was bigger, would he just try to throw you out of the way? Yep. 
He used to try, he used to throw me out of the way. Like, so when I first started playing football and we first got our equipment, Kobe was actually the first person I ever tackled. So like I was tackling Kobe as soon as I got my equipment to start playing football. So that he was always kind of linebacker size, right? Yeah, he was always way bigger than everybody our age. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. and and so when when you get recruited, the idea was to go to the same place. But but I I did hear you in an interview say that he almost went to Wisconsin. How'd you talk him into into coming with you? Well, it it wasn't really me talking him into coming with me. It was just more like we came to an agreement as like um, like together because like um, he he liked Wisconsin a lot, and you know he we went to. A Wisconsin game, I think it was my junior year, and they played Michigan at Wisconsin, and it it was it was lit. They was playing to jump around, and the whole oh, stadium yeah. was filled. And Wisconsin ended up winning that game. So, man, he 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 was he fell in love with it ever since that moment. And me personally, I just felt like, nah, I can't be at Wisconsin. Not I didn't really like I didn't really I didn't really like the vibe. I like I messed with the school. They was a good team at the point at that time, but I just couldn't see myself being there. So. You know, we just we just took the process slowly. He was ready to pull the plug, mm-hmm. like right after the visit. But, but you want you wanted to visit everywhere else, and, and yeah, I wanted to keep winning the options. And then I guess um, Wisconsin ended up getting like four linebacker commits in our class, mm-hmm. and then he was like, "Yeah, I'm not messing with them no more" because he he felt like they wasn't treating him as a priority. So, you know, we started to take more visits and take more. Um, we started to go more places with each other and then had to talk with our family and each other. And we just felt like Penn State was the best place for both of us. So you've got an actual relative on the defense, but it feels like you guys are are kind of a big family. Like you and Chop are close. Yeah. Uh, what's it like with Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac and, and Abdul can rush the passer too? Like how much does that help you as a corner? Oh, my God. It makes my job much easier because like just just me being out there knowing that I got guys who going to get after the football and I really only got to cover for like three seconds three four seconds and it, it just gives me a, a, a like a sense of comfort like when I know everybody around me is on the same type of you know um same type of like time and path that I'm on it just it just only makes me feel more comfortable in what we can do so this is you know this is a good group but you, you lose Joey Porter Jr. after last year when did you realize this particular 2023 Penn State defense was potentially special? Man, the the spring in the springtime right after our bowl game. So after the bowl game, you know, everybody dispersed, got guys going to the NFL. You know, I was I was super attentive during that whole process because like, you know, I I wanted to soak as much information I could mm-hmm. with Joey being heavily like um involved in all that stuff. So uh, when that time ended and spring ball came around and we just started practicing and just just how we looked in practice, like we we looked like dominant, like like it looked like a whole it, it looked like the same defense, but a little better. And it was a whole different group. Like it was it was a lot of a lot of younger guys stepping up, a lot of guys who weren't really in the, in the, in the fold last year, stepping up and making plays. So I was like. Yeah, this this definitely like we we got we got something with this defense. So definitely spring ball. Who were the guys that surprised you that that when they they stepped up? You're like, oh, okay. So I wouldn't them. say surprise. One thing I would say was a couple guys who took like a, a major step from last year to this year is KJ Winston. 
he's definitely one of those guys who he looks like a complete different player. Like whatever he did in the offseason, man, he he was on it because like I always seen signs in it, but like that 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 whole this whole offseason leading up to the spring and fall camp, like he was just he was just different. Like he was on a different type of time. And another guy's Cam Miller. Cam Miller is one of those guys who's very attentive. He's very, he's very assertive. He's very, he knows what he wants to do. He and he's all and he's so focused. Like he probably, he he's probably one of the most mature guys we have on our team. And he's only a sophomore. So that speaks a lot. And another guy I would say is um uh Kozai Izzard. You know, mm-hmm. he he's a guy who isn't really talked about, but you know, he he's starting to, you know, get into his um getting to his um body of work and then Kobe King like Kobe King didn't really he he played last year but he wasn't the starter and I feel like this this whole offseason from the spring to the fall leading up to now man he's just he's a whole different person like he he took that step and he's he he's it's showing on the field so so before I let you go I gotta ask you about your your talking on the field we've talked about talking to yourself we gotta ask about talking to other people we had Terry and Arnold from Alabama on and he he took us deep inside the trash talk that goes between corners and receivers during a game. Like, are you a talker or do you feel like I don't need to say anything? I'm gonna okay. Let, so I'll I just put it like this: I'm I'm usually not a talker. You know, I just get I just try to do my job every play. But the only way I would talk is if somebody starts talking to me. So if you if you start talking to me and I'm just keeping it cordial, you know, because I'm I'm just out there to do my job. Mm-hmm. But once once somebody starts talking to me, then I'll start talking. And like once once they escalated to that point, then it's on. Like it's on from there. All right, you you hear that, Marvin and Emeka? If you if you want to have a chat, you can. <laughs> you don't have to. Kaylee <laughs> King, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, sir. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thank you to Kalen King. And I, if I'm an Ohio State receiver, I don't know if I'm going to talk any trash to that dude. That dude will hit you. So we will see what happens. But one guy who I don't think would be afraid to talk to Kalen King, though probably he's going to be matched up more often on a safety, Cade Stover, the tight end for Ohio State. He has had an incredible journey of a college football career in terms of position, but also He's just one of the most interesting dudes playing the game right now. Grew up on a farm, works on the farm any chance he gets, has a dream of going and expanding the family farm, using whatever he makes in the NFL, and he's going to play in the NFL, to expand the family farm, raise more cattle, grow more corn. Incredibly interesting dude, and you come away from this going, man, that dude would be the best teammate ever. Here's Cade Stover. We are joined now by Ohio State tight end Cade Stover. Buckeyes playing Penn State this weekend. Cade, is is the energy around the Woody a little different in, in weeks like this? Yeah, I mean, we try and keep it similar, but uh, it's hard not to be, uh, especially when uh, you know well, what's all riding on this game. Do, do you have to tell yourself, hey, we got to treat it like 
every other game or is that something the coaches are doing or is that you're telling the younger players that? No, I mean, we're definitely we're definitely ramped up uh, around okay. here more than normal. Uh, there's no doubt about that. So uh, we're just trying to take it day by day right now and uh, make sure we're ready to play on Saturday. So I, I was talking to to the Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, about you yesterday, and he said that that you've gotten even better this year and 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 really expanded your game and and look even better. What has changed for you from from last year to this year in terms of just what you what you bring to the offense? Uh, I think we started off season wise as far as um, I mean changing your body a little bit. Uh, we lost. Close to nine pounds uh, in off season. Uh, me and Coach Mick and the strength staff uh, all helped me with that, and then kind of just uh, establish, try to focus in on weak points, uh, being more consistent throughout the game, and just making sure you know, uh, just mentally wise, what's going on more. When when you tr- decide, hey, I want to change my body, do, do you just go to Coach Marotti and just say, hey, here's here's what I want to look like, or or do you say, what should I look like for for the position I play? That, that was him. Uh, that was his doing. Okay. He, he said that would be beneficial to me, and uh, so far it seems to be true, and uh, we look forward to keep building on that. Well, let, let's talk about your position because it, it, it's changed quite a bit over the years. You you know, you know, played bo- both sides of the ball in high school. You know, you, you get to Ohio State as a linebacker. You move to defensive end. You move to tight end. You move back to linebacker and then back to tight end. It, was that just a case of, hey, I'm going to figure out how to get on the field as quickly as possible? Oh yeah, I mean, I just wanted to. I wanted to play. Uh, you want to contribute. You want to make sure that um, you have a purpose here. And I was looking for any reason to have a purpose. And I, my heart was always on defense until I started uh, playing tight end more. And then I figured out that this is where I belong. Is was that for you know in terms of a future in the NFL where you belong, or or do you just actually like it better? Uh, now I do. I can say I like it playing tight end better. Yes. Yeah. A year ago, two years ago, I couldn't tell you that. Uh, but, yeah, I think longevity-wise and uh, just what's going to help this team more is me playing tight end. We'll be right back with Cade Stover, the tight end from Ohio State. But first, I want to talk to you about game time. Do you want to go to that Penn State-Ohio State game? I know. It's been sold out for months. Everybody wants to go to that game. But you can get tickets right now on game time. You download the game time app. Redeem the code STAPLES, you get $20 off your first purchase, and you can get tickets to pretty much anything. Sporting events, comedy shows, concerts, you name it. Game time has it, and you can even buy it at the last minute as stress-free as humanly possible. You're clicking through the app. You say, I want to look at Ohio State football. Okay, Ohio State football. Let's, Let's go to the Penn State game. Here are the seats that are available. You click on the one you want. You can look at the seat that you would have. You get the vantage point there in the stadium, and you can say, okay, I like that seat. With a couple more taps, it is yours. And by the way, on game day, you need to transfer it to a friend via text message. Not a problem with game time. It is so easy. It takes all the stress out of last-minute ticket buying. You don't have to worry about walking up to that guy who's holding three tickets and not sure if they're real. You're not sure what's going on with them. Game time takes the stress away. So download the Game Time app. Use the code Staples. Twenty dollars off your first purchase. I, I saw a quote from your your old position coach Kevin Wilson when so you you moved to linebacker after the twenty twenty one season. Played linebacker in the Rose Bowl. Came back to tight end that spring. But I remember uh, Kevin said in the in the between time he said I you know 
I went to Cade and I said, don't give me this crap about what's best for the team. I want to know what's best for you. How did you handle that? And and then how did you make the decision? Uh, that's exactly how it went down too. Uh, uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, I have no clue. Uh, if you know Coach Wilson, you know he keeps it pretty honest and pretty straightforward. So uh, I kind of came to him. I was like, hey, I always felt like on offense, I kind of had handcuffs on me. Uh, I was never really free to go and play how I wanted to play the game. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, that if you, if you want me to come back over here, like, I mean, we got to work together here a little bit better and make sure that there's not too much thinking involved and I can just go and play like I went on defense off playing linebacker. And that's what he did for me. And it feels like the way the tight end positions evolved, everybody wants to be Travis Kelsey or Bronk, but you have to be willing to block like those guys are willing to block. It feels like you were already willing to block like that. Like that, that wasn't an issue because oh, of yeah, that's how you play on defense. But how do you get yourself into the flow of the pass game? Uh, that's really not up to me. That's uh, that's up to the scheme-wise, uh, progression-wise, uh, coverage, what we got going in that week, and me just making sure I run good routes, uh, make sure I'm always open, make sure that number six can trust me with that ball. So let's let's talk about the thing I know you you would rather talk about anyway. Uh, you, you're big into farming. You, you you your family runs a farm. You have a dream of of expanding that family farm. I'm curious, what, at what age were you when you decided this is what I want to be and this is how I'm going to do it? I've that was before I could even think. I've there's never been a second thought in my mind. Uh, I mean, if you ask my mom, she'd tell you that. Uh, by the time I was able to walk, basically she had to make sure that she always kept an eye on me because I was always sitting on something, turning something, or doing something like that on the tractors outside. So you, your dad started this farm while running an excavation company with his brother, but started this, this right. farm with a couple cows and a couple acres, and now you're 80 to 100 right. head of cattle, and, and, and you're growing hay, and you're growing corn. How, how did that evolve? Uh, he just... That's his passion, too. Yeah, he's just like me, except, I mean, our farm's not big enough right now to where he can just do that. So uh, him and his brother started excavating business together, and that's his main job, really. And then on the side, uh, he farms. And then so at night, uh, basically, you want to spend time with Pops. Like, you got to be outside. You're holding a flashlight. You're doing something. And uh, that's what I look forward to every night was when he got home, we could go outside and go back to work after he just got done with work. So you guys would have the family dinner every night, and then and then you were the designated flashlight holder while he's working on different pieces of equipment. Every night, every I can't remember one night where mom did not make a dinner. We did not sit down as a family and have dinner. The the structure and the work ethic that that builds for you, how does that help in in every aspect of your life? Uh, it just I mean, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Like even there, like it sounds great, but like there's days where I mean, other days are much worse than others, and no matter what, like you you know what you know what to expect. You know what who's going to be there for you. So I mean, when you come down and sit at the dinner table, whether you had a horrible practice or you got cows sick or your crop sucks or something like that, uh, you still have those people at the dinner table with you to, uh, to lean on, and no matter what. So I, I was reading where you said that, that you actually had the the property picked out that you'd love to to buy, to add to the family farm. Like, do you drive by it every once in a while and just say someday? Every single time I'm home, I will do it multiple times. Uh, it's about 400 acres. Uh, it's old dairy farm. And, 
Uh, I've actually got very close with the guy that owns the place, uh, who's a really, really awesome guy. Uh, and hopefully one day or down the road here in a little bit, uh, he'll have the opportunity to buy that place. So do you, do you tell him, hey, you know, when I get to the NFL, I'm, I'm coming? Uh, not exactly, but I think we're – he knows, yeah. And, I mean, he's – I think he's uh, pretty receptive of that happening. I think he still wants to see that place be farmed, and uh, I think he knows that uh, – that place is going to be hard to be farmed by a better farmer than what I'm going to take care of it. I, I heard you talking about what you do out there. And, and I'm curious, what is it, what is the satisfaction like? Like, for example, a field you planted, if it grows up beautiful and you cut, when you cut it, what is that feeling like to have seen it go from a seed in the ground to a finished product? Uh, there's just so much that goes into just, it's almost like, football in a way just to where there's so much preparation that goes into even getting them in the field, getting your equipment ready, getting your seed order, getting your fertilizer order, getting everything ready to go. And then, but then again, you're relying on one mother nature to be good to you. And if it is good to you, you're so happy in that in the fall. But if it's not, you're like, gosh, like this is tough sometimes. And just having to, to see something come, especially as a cattle wise, like seeing something from a calf be born, and then leave the farm at 1,600 pounds. Like you're like, wow, like, and you hand fed that thing with five gallon bucket this whole life. Uh, it's it's a very special, uh, rewarding feeling. So you you're you're studying agricultural management at Ohio State. What is it like having all that practical experience when, when you're in those classes? Uh, kind of gets me in trouble sometimes because <laughs> like, yeah, they like me to think a certain way, and necessarily I have uh, a couple other ways I've done it my whole life, and though they might not be by the book they still get the job done have you like debated you so you've debated with professors about yeah yeah had a concrete class they got pretty <laughs> a <little bit. laughs> I, I i was gonna say i doubt i doubt there are many people who have as much practical experience as you do no a lot of these kids uh i mean like for me it's still amazing a lot of these kids come from 1,500, 2,000 acre farms. And basically they said, I just want to get off the farm and go and experience college. And in my mind, I'm like, gosh, darn, you're living my dream right now. And you're in college. What are you doing? <laughs> it, it, it's, it's interesting when you, to hear you talk about the, the dream of, of running the farm. It makes football almost seem like a means to an end. Is it like that? Or is it, you just love being out there? I love playing football. There's no, I mean, I love being around everybody here and uh, team wise and having coming into somewhere and like we're all working for the same goal. And that's kind of what farming is like in a way. I think that's why I've drawn the football so much because it's hard constantly every day. It's hard. Like there's no practices are hard basketball. You can kind of get away with, Hey, this practice isn't that bad. Or just, you're working on shooting today. You're working on your jump shot today. Like every day is a grind here and every day on the farm is a grind here. So I've taken up the football and I'll play football as long as I can. So the, I heard you say in an interview that basketball was was your first love in terms of sports. Was that just you know, you come to realization, hey, the, the future's in football. Yeah, basically. I mean, I still love playing basketball in the off season. I play. We play basketball all the time here. But yeah, I was a I was a decent basketball player in high school though, and we had a good time with it. How, how much of it is is kind of the science of hey, here's here's my ideal height, you know, my ideal size. I'm this height. I can be this weight. And this is the best position slash sport for me. I, all of it has to do with that. I mean, if I was six eight, if I was six seven, 
I mean, I'd probably be playing basketball right now because that's probably the best uh, decision for my body at that point. But at my height and size now, I mean, that's football is definitely the best route. And 20 years ago, you probably wouldn't have been a tight end, right? You're probably a, a Mike linebacker somewhere. I would have been a pullback middle linebacker. <laughs> you had the neck roll. <laughs> You'd have the, the, the Brit, like the bloody bridge of the nose. You like I, I can, I can see it. Oh yeah. <laughs> How big would your neck roll have been as a Man, Mike linebacker? My pop for a massive one. I just make it bigger than his. Is all that matters. <laughs> all right, Kate. You've got some of the more fun NIL deals, and and I've heard you talk about NIL, and and you definitely have a very mature attitude toward it. But what has it been like having basically you've got a seed company that that helps you with seed corn at the family farm? You you know you work with the Ohio beef producers. It, right. What, what is that like? Uh, it's awesome. Uh, FS Envision is a seed corn that we plant, and it's, I mean, it helps our farm definitely more, and it just benefits me personally, but it's all in one in my mind, so I'm always looking, I'm honestly looking more towards helping the farm than financially helping me at this point, just because I know down the road that's what I'm going to want to do, and hopefully uh, I can continue those relationships down there, but uh, having FS Envision to uh, supply us with that seed and us basically promote them and see how well that seed does for us is crazy. And then Ag Pro on top of that, uh, helping us out with equipment and stuff. I mean, because we're not huge farmers yet. Uh, mm-hmm. We've came from basically lower end equipment uh, to sending us out brand new stuff that we're using. It's insane and helps my dad out tremendously, especially when I can't be there every day during the weekend season. Well, that that's what you said. The, the dream at Big Ten Media Days, you said, was have the – the equipment company so that's like I, I know you met you mentioned last year during your your off week you had you had a combine sent out and you got to got to mess with that and it was a lot bigger than anything you've gotten to to oh, use yeah. before what what is what is driving one of those things like i've always imagined like I've, I've driven past them you know in the fields and, and wondered like right. what's the power feel like i mean like just like people think of sports cars like you see a you see a two three hundred thousand dollar sports car that really like gosh like that looks must be cool like then you sit in one of these things that is six hundred thousand dollars and you're 20 feet up in the air you're like oh damn this is this is the real deal right here <laughs> i was gonna say it's it's got a little more power than a lambo even if it's not if it's about the same price so right. um, so i gotta ask you before we let you go this is a question i usually only ask the offensive lineman but you're a very good blocker and you raise cattle so i have to ask you this Perfect steak, cut, and how do you cook it? Uh, ribeye, no doubt about it. Medium, not not medium rare. I, it's a little red for me, it's too much. Uh, but okay, I'm definitely a medium guy. With there's a seasoning, it's called like charcoal black or something like that. We put on it at the house, and we like it a lot. Well, listen, everybody else I've been, to, I, I know they've eaten a lot. But you're the only one who's ever raised the cattle himself. So I, I, I will take yeah. yours as, as the most expert advice. Cade, thank you so much, and, and good luck against Penn State. Appreciate you. Thanks a lot. Thank you to Cade Stover. Enjoy all those combines you may be driving in the future. And good luck in that game. That game is going to be huge. Penn State, Ohio State, that is what you watch college football for. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. 
With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another team that's hoping to play one of those teams down the line, the Florida State Seminoles. We talked a lot about Florida State at the beginning of the season because they started hot, beat LSU, beat Clemson. But we haven't talked about it much lately because they've just kind of been rolling over people. Now they get Duke, which is one of the surprise teams this year. Well-coached. Mike Elko does a great job with that defense. Jeff Cameron from Warchant.com is going to help us break down the Seminoles as they get ready to play against the Blue Devils. We're joined now by Jeff Cameron, host of the Jeff Cameron Show on On3's Warchant, the greatest place for Florida State fans to gather. What's up, Jeff? Hey, Andy, how are you, man? Good to talk to you. Good to see you again. Oh, it is. This has been interesting because here Florida State is having this great season, undefeated, and it almost feels like we've just sort of forgotten about them since the Clemson game because they're just rolling over people. But they've got Duke coming in this week, and it feels like a good time to check up on the Seminoles because I don't know about you, Jeff. Nationally, it feels like they're on a collision course with North Carolina for maybe the best ACC championship game we've ever seen. And then perhaps the winner is in the playoff. Does feel that way, doesn't it, Andy? And I, I think, you know, if you go back to the start of the season, I went to every practice and, you know, in camp in the fall there, same with the spring. They were gearing up to this point where the thought was, and I think amongst the Florida State faithful, the thought was, okay, you got all this experience coming back. You added to it through the transfer portal. You felt good about the way last season ended. Florida State ended up winning 10 games, won seven straight going into the year and all that. Um, and, and I think the thought was, okay, look, you got to survive the, you know, the two big ones in your first four. You've got LSU at a neutral site and you got Clemson on the road. And I think the fans kind of thought if, if, if we go one and one, and those two games were going to be set up to maybe make a run at the ACC championship. But what happened was they won them both, as you just noted. And all of a sudden, those expectations got ratcheted up from an ACC championship game to could this be a college football playoff team? Could this be a team that competes for a national title? I think every week that goes by, you see how much volatility there is in college football. It's a good year to be one of those teams in the mix because you feel like on any given Saturday, right? I mean, it's, that's not always true when people say that, but it feels like it this year. Yeah, and, and Florida State feels like it has the pieces that if they were to get in that position and play against some of the better teams on the right day, they can yeah. beat anybody. And that's the, the, the part that, that is interesting to me because I think even in the middle of last season, if I'd have told you that that's where they'd be, that's the position they'd right. be in midway through this season, I think I don't think a lot of Florida State people would have believed us. No, I think they recognize that there are a lot of holes to fill, but they've raised the floor of talent here considerably. Everybody knows the Norvell story and how well he got people to buy into what he was selling, but also how well they've really gone out and hit the portal. And, and they, you know, I've said this before. One of the things about Mike and his staff is that they don't take just anybody because the guy can play. Mm -hmm. they, have a, they have a very distinct or uh, I, I think a, a concerted uh, philosophy that they utilize, that they implement. Um, and, and that is that, yeah, you got to be able to play. They're not calling players that aren't better than the ones that they have. Of course, you want upgrades when you go into the portal or you want stability of depth, something along those lines. But you also have to be willing to buy in 
to what that locker room is bought into, which is a selflessness and service and all the things that Mike repeats over and over again when given an opportunity. But I think it's real because if it wasn't real, you would not see the way uh, that, that he has succeeded and the way that players fight for each other. So I, I do think that's probably true. He's created a culture through having that standard, but he's also utilized the portal and held people coming into that same standard. Well, and that's the thing. It's hard when you're bringing in as many new people as yeah. they have over the years to keep the chemistry right, and they have managed to do that. And I don't, I, you know, I don't know how much of that is the coaching staff, how much of that is having some some veteran leaders like Jordan Travis who can kind of help that along, where they can kind of guide the new people and say, "Here's how we do things." But they've they've not lost anything from a chemistry standpoint, which is hard when you when you have that much change. I'm surprised, frankly. I mean, you've had a lot of guys vying for a lot of spots. The competition has been awesome. You know, Andy, once the competition gets ratcheted up, those practices become more intense. That can bleed over, sometimes get physical, sometimes feelings are hurt. Sometimes you wonder, like, hey, I've been working hard here for two and a half years, and they go bring in this guy from whatever university. He's going to come in and start over me now, and I was promised this or promised that. It hasn't happened, you know, and I think that there's a lot of reasons for that. I think you're right. They have a veteran presence at the most important position on the field in Jordan Travis, who's turned into a good leader. He wasn't always the guy, right? He was right. very bashful, didn't really want to talk much, didn't like to talk to the media, didn't raise his voice to players or anything like that. I think somewhere along the way, he turned the corner and knew it was incumbent upon him to play that role. And then I think he's got defensive guys along the way that have done that as well. And they've somehow been able to kind of capture a sense that your time will come, just keep working hard. And they've also been very fortunate. I think that this is one of the better collectives in town. Mm -hmm. uh, you look around the country. I know you've covered this, Andy, and it's a big part of college football now. I mean, what does your NIL do? What does your collective do? You know, how well does that work? How well does that function? How well does that operate? And there has to be a synergy there. So I think that's been in place too. Yeah. I think they've been really good also. And people don't ever talk about this, but, when there is a player who's deciding whether they want to stay or go, yeah, they identify the ones they need to keep and the ones they don't need to keep, they call their bluffs and tell them to go. And I think that that's a skill that will be developed by a lot of programs over time, but they seem to have it already. Yeah, I guess that would be certainly understanding the market, right? What a player's yeah. worth is and what's not. And, you know, I think that is dictated sometimes by the position the person plays, right? It's much yep. much easier to maybe go out and get, let's say, a defensive back than it is a defensive lineman. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I think they recognize it's where to put the onus uh, in terms of retention. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I remember when NIL was starting and I, I'd you know, be talking to people and they say, well, what's going to happen when the backup quarterback's making more than the star left tackle? I'm like, they're, they're not going to. <laughs> no. <laughs> because that's not how it works. That's like right. People right. aren't stupid. So, yeah. But yeah, I think Florida State's done a really good job with that. But, you know, on the field this year, it, it does feel like they have a lot of the pieces and they can do different things. I heard you on your show on Wednesday talking about how does – how does Florida State handle this Duke defense? Because this is a, this is a really good defense. This really is good. athletic. We've seen them against Clemson where they, they basically shut them down. Or if they didn't shut them down, they forced turnovers that, that allowed them to not score. And then we saw them against Notre Dame where they did lose that game ultimately, but they were, they were right in it. How does Florida State attack this group, which really seems to limit how well you can run the ball? 
So that's why I think if I'm Mike Norvell and, and Alex Adkins, I'm spreading them out and throwing it because I'm not real sure that there are many defenses around the country that could line up and deal with the versatility and athleticism uh, Florida State has. That's really the strength of the team. You know, when you think about the tight end room, which has seen a massive overhaul of talent, Jaheim Bell is a matchup problem for anybody. Um, he's going to the league at some point. You've got Keon Coleman, as you know, and we've all seen what he's done this year at wide receiver. Johnny Wilson will be back this week. So you got six. Yeah, that, that was my question. Is Johnny back because yeah. he missed the last game? Yeah, Johnny will be back. So you have six, seven, and six, four, and you got six, five, and then you got six, six, Kyle Morlock. And you get, I mean, you got a lot of dudes, and Trey Benson's back there. So they got a lot of weapons, is my point. I, I don't think that Florida State, and I'm going to give Duke a lot of credit here, I don't think Florida State can line up and run traditionally against this Duke team. In fact, I don't think Florida State does that very well, period. If we're going to look at an Achilles heel, I think Florida State is really highly dependent in the run game on big plays. They've created several big plays, but a down-to-down efficiency, they're not very good. They get behind the chains a lot. Uh, it's why you can see these crazy stats where they're in the top five in uh, big plays and explosiveness and all those kinds of success rates on plays over 30 yards and all that. But they're they're like 111th in the down-to-down running the football in efficiency. So they really rely on big plays on the ground game, and I don't think that's going to work against Duke because Duke doesn't really give them up. Yeah, yeah. And that's what Elko's done such a good job there. You know, people forget he's only in his second year. And they – They've been fantastic, but you know, I Florida State has been a lot of two tight end with with Morlock and Bell. Yeah. You, you kind of wonder with Wilson back, do you do more one tight end? And this because Wilson, you know, can give you a lot of the same things a tight end does as a six seven receiver, but then he's more dynamic than that too. Yeah, and I, I, you know, last year when Florida State was really getting the offense going after that three game losing stretch, well documented. They really kind of turned it around. Part of that was competition was not as good, but also I think they figured out kind of who they were within the realm of what they had, you know? And mm-hmm. I think one of Mike's strengths is that from week to week, you really never know how he wants to attack somebody. And I, I've been giving him over the years credit for game planning. Even when things didn't work out, even when they were losing games, you could see what the intent was and why they yeah. were attacking certain teams that way. And he's never been a guy that says, well, we're just going to do this or we're just going to do that. Yeah, he wants to run counter. He wants to do a lot of those things. But he's been a guy that's been recognizing early in a game or even going into a game, this isn't going to work. I got to spread these guys out. I don't think they can cover us. Or I think we got to run the ball and keep our defense off the field. He's done those things. So every Saturday, Andy, I kind of go into the game really unsure of what they're going to do because he does change it up from week to week. I don't think that they'll line up and try to run traditionally. Maybe the first series or so, just to prod, you know, every team kind of does that with the jab early on in a game just to get a sense. But I think he knows they got to throw the football here to set up the run. Yeah, it's well, it's interesting that in this era of head coaches who call plays, dialing that back or giving it up entirely. I think, you know, this year we've seen Eli Drinkwitz have a lot of success turning things over to Kirby Moore. You know, Eli was was one of those that was like, I'll never stop calling play. And then, oh, yeah, yeah I'm going to stop. And and you got at Florida, you got the pressure on Billy Napier to give it up after this season. And Mike seems better when he's calling plays. I talked to, to Michael Alford, the, the athletic director, about it. And after Kenny Dillingham left, I mean, he he recommended to Mike. He's like, please keep calling plays like it works better for you when you do that. 
I don't think there's any question. You know, and it's it's kind of a young man's game to take on that many roles, right? He just had a birthday this past week. I think he turned 42, right? He's a young coach. He's got a lot of energy and a lot. He's always been an offensive mind. That's how he made his bones and worked his way up pretty quickly as being a really bright offensive guy. I think one of for my calling plays for now makes total sense. Maybe 10 years from now, I don't know. You know, yeah. it, who knows where he'll be, but right now it does make sense. He's got such a good relationship with Alex Atkins too. I've, I've had a chance to ask Alex about that relationship. And he talks about the symbiotic nature that during the week leading up to a game, they sit down together an awful lot. And Michael said, what do you think about this? And he allows his assistants to come back with, well, you know, I, I think maybe we should do this. And he actually gives everybody there a voice. And then he yeah. kind of incorporates all of that. But on game day, it's Mike. It's definitely Mike. Well, and, and Alex is such an interesting case because a lot of times the the OC in a situation where the head coach is the is the offensive play caller is somebody who's just kind of the most trusted assistant. Right. They, they've not really called plays, but Alex has been a play caller. He was a play caller at Charlotte yep. before he came to Florida State, and I I'm just going to kind of give you the floor to tell other people about Alex Atkins. There, you know, lots of fan bases watch the show. There's some fan bases that their team is going to be in need of a, a new head coach. Uh, Alex is going to be a head coach. So tell everybody about Alex Atkins. Dynamic leader, dynamic personality, really hardworking, very, very bright, interesting to watch work. Uh, he will he will instruct you. He will sit back and put his arm around you and tell you one second, this is how we do this. This is why. Give it another go. And it'll rip your head off the next instance. But the guys all love him for it because they know it comes from a place of love. And I think that's the key, right? Whenever you have a demonstrative coach who will scream and yell at you but also teach you, you got to believe that it's all coming from a good place for you to listen to it and take it in. And all those guys do. So I think he's got the makings of a great head coach. He's a really smart guy. He's a really uh, meticulous guy. He's thoughtful. He spends a lot of time. Uh, not just with this offensive line group, but talking about that offense. Like if you ask him one question, I know you have, you ask him one question about offensive football, you might be there 30 minutes for him yeah. to break that down. So that's a bright guy who's done a lot of time thinking. He's put his put his, his, his work in uh, and the players all love him. They respond to him. That's the thing too. It's like he's an he's a ultimate motivator. It's not just the X's and O's. He's a guy that can really, I guess, press the right buttons for certain guys. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, what what makes it so interesting with Alex and and really this entire staff is Florida State's offensive line was in a position where it felt like it was never going to get any better. Shambles. It, it was a deep hole that had been you know created over two coaching staffs, mm. and the fact that they are now serviceable yeah. to above average, depending yeah. on the day, and headed you know even higher is pretty incredible. Well, Andy, I'll tell you, uh, not last year, but the year before when we would do game previews on Thursdays and Fridays on my show or when we'd be doing the pregame show that I work on with Tom Lang, I, I, we would talk all about the X's and the O's and the strategy of this game and where we match up and where Florida State doesn't match up. And then towards the end, I'd get depressed and go, it's not going to matter. Florida State can't block them. And that yeah. was the most depressing thing in the world. You could talk about all these things that had to happen, but none of it matters if you can't block them. And so you are absolutely right to point out that they have flipped that room. And not only have they flipped that room, they are a plus offensive line. They're not elite, yeah. but they're a plus offensive line. Yeah, they 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 add to the mix as yeah. opposed to taking away. And I, I remember, I think it was Mike's first game, 2020 against Georgia Tech. Mm. And oh. they had kind of stitched a line together. 
and I forget who it was who got hurt, but it's the second they got hurt in like the, the second quarter or the third quarter. Second he got hurt, done, and they had to dip into the bench. It was over. The game oh, yeah. was over. And yeah, that's that's the part to me that has been the most amazing flip because you can go find skill position players. The portal is not the easiest place to find good offensive linemen. They but they they've mixed and matched portal guys and guys that they they brought along. It's been a good balance, and they have a couple of young guys that they've since recruited from the high school ranks that they feel very good about stepping in here in the next couple of years. So. That bought them some time, to your point. was They found a way to get serviceable. That, in turn, led to recruits being interested. It was no longer a black hole. You were no mm-hmm. longer going to go to Florida State and be forgotten about and not be able to succeed if you were an offensive lineman. Now you knew you had a chance to go and you had a chance to develop because you didn't have to play right away. You know, For a long time there, Andy, if they got a halfway decent offensive line recruit, they had to start them their freshman year. Yeah, That's not ideal. Um, and guys would get hurt. And they'd never have a chance to recover because the second they could even put on their cleats, they put them back out there because they had mm-hmm. no depth. So you never saw anything building towards something. And that's what they've been able to change now. Guy goes out now, they'll sit him out for two weeks and say, get healthy, big guy. We've got you. I mean, they've yeah. done that all year long. Robert Scott's missed a lot of time. Bless Harris missed last week. They've had, you know, different players have to miss time, but they haven't panicked because they've had other guys they feel good about behind them. The other thing I find interesting about the, the recruiting strategy, and we talk about Florida State and the portal a lot because they've done it so well, but it seems like they, they've used the portal to make themselves better, to make yeah. themselves deeper, but that the success that's come with that is also now made them more attractive yeah. to high school recruits than they were, and they're kind of finally back to where they were in like 2012, 2013, where they can attract that level of player pretty cool too it's been a a a nice mix i mean you bring up what those portal guys have done for this program and it's expedited the turnaround there's no doubt about that a lot of those guys though were here like a year jermaine johnson's a good example playing in the nfl now on sundays with the jets first round pick jermaine johnson is back in town i see him every time i'm at practice it feels like jermaine johnson's always here and he talks to guys that are looking at florida state be it high school recruits or portal guys and he'll talk about how it changed his trajectory I don't know if that's yeah. true or not. I mean, he was a talented player already. He was at Georgia, for goodness yeah, sake. Yeah, he he actually may have been a first-round pick had he stayed at Georgia, yeah. but he wanted he wanted to show he was an every-down player, and yeah. he wasn't going to be an every-down player on the greatest defensive line in college football history <laughs> because they had too much other talent. Yeah. So it all worked out for everybody in that one. But yeah, I think and, and he kind of I mean he kind of kickstarted it. Yeah, he I did. don't know if if the, do they get Jared Verse if they don't ever get Jermaine Johnson? I don't think so. I don't think so. And I, and I think you can look around and several guys like that that they've brought in. Some are less uh, well known that came in and did a very good job of just filling their role. You know, just being well, a good. I, I'll, I'll ask you about one like Fabian Lovett. It feels like he's been there forever, but he's yeah. he's a transfer. He's at Mississippi State. Oh, you can go on and on with these guys. Uh, There's transfers everywhere out there for Florida State, at least amongst the starters. That's for sure. Well, Jordan um, Travis, I mean, he's a transfer. Jordan Travis is a transfer. Johnny Wilson is a transfer. Keon Coleman's a transfer. Uh, Jaheim Bell's a transfer. I mean, we can go on. Benson is a transfer. Yeah. Most of the offensive line is a transfer. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Now, what those guys did is they bought in, they got here, and they succeeded. And then they, in turn, told people that one of the things they liked about the program was that the coaches said what they meant and meant what they said, and they lived the life. That's See, I think Mike has been smart about this because I've asked him specifically about this because the fan base is always asking, how come Mike does this well and other places have had you know some success and some failures right. along the way? 
And I said, again, I think Mike has a belief that the way you do this is you hold guys to an even higher standard than maybe they think they're going to be held to. So Jermaine Johnson told me and you, we were at the same dinner, I believe. Yeah. Um, that when, when, why did he choose Florida state? Because he was being asked to come to Clemson and they were winning at a much higher clip than Florida state. And he said, Mike Norvell. And I said, what about Mike Norvell? Well, he challenged me. He told me he was going to force me to work harder and develop the areas of that, that he had been weak in, including leadership. And yeah. he didn't tell me that, hey, you're just going to come here and start. He told me, oh, you might start, but oh, by the way, you got to do this, this, well, and this. Well, there, there wasn't much choice. I was at the spring game the yeah. year Jermaine Johnson was there. I, I saw his first rep as they were warming up and was like, wow, that is the easily the most talented player on this field. Not so close. you better be a leader at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. But he that's the cool thing. Those guys have all said, oh, yeah, he he made sure that I understood that just because I might be more talented than what I was coming in to replace, there was going to be other expectations. There were going to be other expectations. And so I think that's probably one of the secrets that Mike and his staff have been able to incorporate as, as it pertains to the portal anyhow. Well, let's see what they can do against Duke. This is probably their toughest challenge till Miami. And then, I mean, if they can get through both of those, you got to feel Andy, I think good. you nailed it, by the way, buddy. Can you imagine? You and I are just football fans. It doesn't really yeah. matter our allegiances. We're football fans. Yeah. The ACC championship game has never had the sort of resonance that oh. if you project right now, North Carolina, Florida State, with the star power uh, it, 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 for both quarterbacks, obviously. And in yeah. particular, you got a top five pick over there at UNC at quarterback. So it's crazy to think about how much fun that could be nationally. Oh, and, and, and think about the star power on the field because you'll have Jared Verse, you'll have Keon Coleman. Uh, North Carolina is dramatically improved on defense. They're really good on defense right now. Tez Walker is a potential first Superstar. round guy. And, and so I can't wait for that. I hope, you know, it, if neither team has a hiccup along the way and they meet as undefeated team, like that, that be? the ACC's dream scenario, that this is what they dreamt when they created that championship game 18 years ago and it never happened. This is what they've, they've been working toward. We had Matt Brown on the show the other day. Yeah. I mean, he's having as much fun as he's had since he was at Texas because he knows he's good on both sides of the ball now. It's probably a lot of fun to go into a game knowing Drake Major quarterback. <laughs> well, and and the NCAA just made a, a yeah. I don't know if Tez Walker's a first-round pick. He's a first-round type talent. Yeah. And so when they just make that guy available to you and you, you've watched him torture your starting defense all year on scout team, you know what you're going to get when he plays. You, you got a chance every week when that's the duo, right? Yeah, so oh, yeah. I think he's probably having a lot of fun. And to your point, they've also gotten better on defense. Um, that number 33, a linebacker's a stud. They've got, they got a lot of guys that I've enjoyed watching. Hey, Seminole Amari Bernie getting it done there. Yeah, yeah. No, this is – all of this has been fun to watch because I don't know – if you're a fan of the conference, if you're a fan of the ACC – specifically, let's say, I don't know that you could have come into this year thinking to yourself that you would have uh, Louisville knock off Notre Dame in the way that they did and Florida State be undefeated yep. in the top five the way they are, having swept LSU and Clemson, North Carolina being a team that has a quarterback that could go one or two in the draft and now an elite receiver to go with and prospects of an undefeated season. You have a Duke team that we're talking about right now that is yeah. every bit the top 20 ranking that's next to their name because of that defense. And Mike Elko is dynamic as a head coach. We can go on, Andy. This, this okay. has been a fun Absolutely. conference this year. Absolutely. Oh, Amari Gaynor, former Seminole, by the way. Amari Bernie, former Florida Gator. I knew what you meant. Too many, Amari, too many Amaris in those hybrid positions on the defenses. <laughs> but 
Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I think, I think the ACC has been a ton of fun this year. Uh, I, you know, it's weird with Clemson and Miami playing this weekend. Yeah. One of them will be handing the other, their third conference loss in mid October, but it is, yeah. it is also representative of how well the rest of the league or some of the rest of the league has come up and, and gotten better. Without question. And, and I think this is the kind of thing you, every league wants this. Every league wants five or six deep. I mean, yeah. you know, you, if you're the big 10, you know, you, you want Penn state, Michigan, Ohio state, and somebody else to be yeah. really, really like, good. Yeah. You want an Iowa or Wisconsin yeah. or you need and somebody else, right? Yeah. Pac 12's doing it right now. That's a ton of fun to watch. We can see yep. that every weekend, but you know, you, that's what you want. You want depth of, uh, you know, to me, not just talent, but you want a depth of competition in all these leagues that speaks to uh, the credible schedule you lay out there when you're making the case in the beauty contest that is college football's playoff. I, I can't wait now. I wish it were next year with the 12 team. Because I, I would hate to see it if, a, if an undefeated North Carolina and undefeated Florida State go to that championship game and only one of them's in the playoff. Like, it would be it would be more fun next year when one of them's playing for a bye and, and the other one's in. But yeah, I'll take I mean I'll take the stakes of this one of this version of it because it will be wild. How many times have you played the what if game with your friends this year on about, you know, you look ahead. So we got Penn state, Ohio state this mm -hmm. weekend, obviously Florida state Duke this weekend You can keep going and try to find yeah. the best matchups every week. But this has been so fun to kind of say, okay, is this an elimination game? Did Southern Cal just get eliminated because of that loss? Where right. are we looking? You know, what's going to happen with Oregon and Washington? Because we all can see a scenario by which we're frustrated. It's the element of the game that has always bothered us as diehard fans. And that some of this is subjective. Yes. And that's, that's what I worry about. Cause I think if we're being realistic about it, it's probably not five undefeated conference champs. It's probably five, one loss conference champs yeah. and you got to parse them and somebody's getting left out and that somebody's going to get the shaft. It's, it's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to suck. I, that, I, I, there's no other way to say it. That's so, correct. And, and the thing is like, if you're the ACC, if you're the PAC 12, you're worried about that. If you're the Big 12, I if it's Texas and Oklahoma, I feel like those are big enough brands they're probably not going to get shafted. Yeah. But I don't know. It that's why I would I just wish it were next year already cuz at least then you're not screwing somebody. They they're going to they they're going to have a harder road but they're going to get to try. First time in a long time that college football has had this kind of competitive depth. You know, there was yeah. a spot a number of years ago, Andy, where I was starting to get a little frustrated for years and years and years. I'll use this analogy real quick. Um, women's college basketball, okay? It was a yes. sport that was ascending. And Tennessee I said, would beat everybody, then UConn would beat everybody, and that was it. That was it. And you would have Elite Eight games where somebody got beat by 50. Yeah. And that's not good for a sport that's trying to grow. And I would watch college football, and there was a time where Alabama and a couple of other teams, Ohio State, Clemson, whoever you want to look at, were doing the same thing. You felt like, realistically, there are four teams that could win a national title. That's not good for the game when there's three mm -hmm. or four legitimate contenders for a title. Some might want to argue five or six, but there were some years where it was maybe two. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been two or three more years right? than it's been four or five. Yeah, and now I think you can legitimately argue on a neutral field for 10 to 12 teams, maybe more. Like, I think you could argue for Washington and Oregon mm -hmm. and Texas and Oklahoma and Alabama and Georgia and Florida State and North Carolina. See, we were going, we're going. We, I'm already up to yeah. 10. 
Yeah, and you haven't even mentioned Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn right. State. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it is so much fun, and it's it's fun to see some of these teams that have been out of it for a little while mm. get back into it, or, or in North Carolina's case, kind of be in it for the first time, really, because they had good seasons under Mac the first time around, yeah. but it wasn't like this because you always knew they were going to face Bobby Bowden in the Seminoles, and that was going to be the end of that. It's That's not the same anymore. <laughs> not the case at all. Not the, it's, it's Right now, it's a toss-up. So that's all you can ask for if you love college football. You want as many of these kinds of matchups as possible where the outcome is in question. Yep. Jeff Cameron, thank you so much. We will be in touch because uh, we talk about the Knowles quite a bit down the stretch. And it's always a pleasure, buddy. Be good, man. Good job. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. That's it for the show. Thank you to Kalen King, to Cade Stover, and to Jeff Cameron for joining us. Guys. It is a huge college football weekend. Penn State, Ohio State, Tennessee, Alabama, bunch of other great games. Let's all go watch. Let's have some fun. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.